Welcome to the No Fear Podcast of First Presbyterian Church. My name is Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, with your No Fear Word of the Day. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Bob Fuller, Senior Pastor of First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio, Texas, and this is your No Fear Word of the Day. The Bible tells us to have courage, to be not afraid, or to have no fear in one way or another 365 times. And the point of this podcast is to offer God's Word as a daily dose of courage during this 21st century health crisis. A couple of weeks ago, we began unpacking a very famous prayer by American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. The prayer is called the Serenity Prayer. Reinhold Niebuhr was vacationing at his summer cottage near Heath, Massachusetts, and he was invited to conduct services at a small church nearby. At the end of the service, he offered this prayer. O God, give us the serenity to accept what cannot be changed, courage to change what should be changed, and wisdom to know the difference. Reverend Niebuhr never intended this little prayer to be famous, but today it can be found on greeting cards and needlepoint pillows and plaques everywhere. It's been given the popular title, The Serenity Prayer. What is it about this prayer that's made it so wildly popular? I think it goes to the heart of a very human dilemma. It's the dilemma of choices. Every day we're faced to think about and struggle with and muddle through challenges that demand our decisions. Every day we are faced with decisions, big and little, important and trivial, pleasant and unpleasant. And sometimes the answer to those decisions is not easy. When you were with a dying loved one in the intensive care unit and the doctors told you your options. When you're in a relationship and you're not sure whether you should take it to the next level. When you're stuck at home during a global pandemic. When you have to make a decision about a business opportunity that involves long-term gain and short-term pain. Or that challenges you to decide between morality and profit. In times like that, we need more than just information. We need wisdom. This prayer asks God to help us with those decisions. It asks for wisdom. In its most basic sense, wisdom is not just theoretical or philosophical knowledge. Wisdom is practical knowledge for real life. Wisdom is more than just being smart. Think about those people in your life that you have considered wise. What makes that person wise in your eyes? Not just intelligent, but wise. Was that wisdom a product of education, of books and lessons and classes? Was it a product of age? As people get older, does that make them wise automatically? Is a person wise because he or she is given a specific job title? President, king, CEO, pastor. What is it that makes a person wise and not just smart? I think it has something to do with the way we see things. Let me give you an anatomical analogy. Have you ever thought about your eyes? Why is it that human beings have two eyes and not just one? The reason is because if we had only one eye, we would have only a two-dimensional view of an object. 
we would see it only in its width and height. The world would look, frankly, flat. With one eye, we can see a straight-on point of view and visually gather the surface image of that which is directly before us. But the second eye gives another dimension to our sight, the dimension of depth or depth perception. By seeing an object from just even a slightly different angle or perspective, we can see beyond just the width and height, and we can see the depth. The difference is that of looking at a flat photograph of a face and looking at the real person, where of course the face is 3D and not flat at all. Having two eyes, or binocular vision, gives us a sense of shape. It gives a sense of depth and distance, and it changes the way we see the world. But how does this apply to wisdom? Wisdom is when we add depth perception to what we know. Wisdom is knowledge in depth. That's my first point. My second point? Wisdom is knowledge in depth, and depth comes from experience. A wise person is someone who has learned through experience how the facts and the theories we learn play out in real life. Tom Kite wrote that his golf coach, the venerable Harvey Pinnock, was such a great golf coach because in his 50 years as a golf pro at Austin Country Club in Austin, Texas, he had seen more golf balls hit by more students than anyone else who had ever lived. Wisdom is knowledge plus experience. The word wisdom is almost always linked with longevity and old age because experience gives us a sense of history. We need a sense of history so that we do not think that the sky is falling every time we have a crisis. A sense of history confers a sense of balance because experience gives us an appreciation for how things play out over time in the past and future as well as the present. A historical perspective also teaches us how people of courage and insight made a difference in their own time. Experience is also a resource for comfort and encouragement. One thing that I've observed is that when people are struggling with a decision or coping with a divorce or fighting cancer, it means so much for them to talk to someone who has been there. People with experience just have wisdom not only about the struggle itself, but about what the person suffering needs to hear. I know an oncologist in Charlotte, North Carolina, who said that his approach to treating cancer patients changed dramatically after he underwent treatment himself. Experience teaches us things that we can never learn in the classroom or on the internet. But while personal experience is good, we can also learn from the experience of others. Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Community Church in Orange County, California, has a great piece of advice. He says, a wise man learns from his mistakes, but the wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. Football legend Lou Holtz has written that when he was coach at Notre Dame, he always had to deal with new, highly recruited, all-star freshman players who thought that they knew everything about football and everything else. He always had to remind them that his experience gave him an edge. He said, I have been 19 years old before, but you've never been 60 before. 
It's like I tell my children, if you're trying to break the rules and trying to fool me and get away with something, chances are I tried the same thing with my parents and I will catch you just like they caught me. Experience teaches us how the facts we read play out in reality. It becomes that second perspective that adds depth perception to life. Third point, if wisdom is knowledge with the depth of experience, then real wisdom begins with God because God knows all the facts and has all the experience. The book of Proverbs, an entire book of the Bible dedicated to the topic of wisdom, says this in chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This phrase, the fear of the Lord, is an important but often misunderstood phrase. What does it mean? To fear the Lord means to take God seriously. It means that we know that He is real. We know that God is not a myth. He's not a fairy tale. He's not just Barney the dinosaur. He is the living God. A person who fears the Lord is someone who takes God seriously. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases the first words of the book of Proverbs. He says, If you want to know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it's going, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. The wisdom that leads to life and ultimate joy starts with bowing down to God, knowing Him and taking Him seriously. Because God brings us a perspective that no human intellect or experience can give us. On the one hand, He is all-knowing. He knows the truth about the past. He knows the truth about the future, and He knows the truth about what is really going on right now. God's perspective is not limited like ours. He can see things around corners that we cannot see. Nothing is hidden from Him, and He is not deceived or tricked. On the other hand, God has the credibility of experience. God became man, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. The book of Hebrews says that since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, so that he would have the credibility to say, I've been there. I know what you're going through. So God has all the knowledge and all the experience. Only a fool would not take God seriously. God holds our lives and eternity in his hands. His sovereignty is the most important fact in the universe. And any philosophy or worldview or lifestyle that does not take God seriously and just blows off the most important fact of the universe is just reckless. You see, God doesn't want people to go through life with one eye closed. God is for you. He doesn't want us wandering through life blind. So the living God has revealed His will and character to us. Through the Word made flesh in Jesus Christ, and through His Holy Spirit in the Word written. The Bible is the Word of God, the will of God in written form. It tells us what God wants us to know about who He is, what He wants, what is important, how He feels, and the way things really are. 
How many of us know the Bible well enough to search it for practical knowledge for real life? Do you know the laws, the precepts, and the Proverbs? Do you know the stories that teach the formation of character or the passages that describe the character and expectations of God? How much healthier would we be financially if people would follow the principles of debt and money that the Bible talks about rather than just following our own interests and desires? How much healthier would the American family be if more men took seriously the Bible's teaching on fatherhood? How different would the face of poverty be if we followed the Bible's teachings on charity? When I'm stuck on some difficult decision or life question, I find it helpful to ask a couple of biblical questions. First, is it commanded or prohibited by God's Word? Does Scripture tell us specifically to do or not to do something? And second, is it consistent with biblical teachings on godly character? Our world needs some new answers. Answers people can't get from magazines and the Internet or CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or Hollywood or talk radio. The Bible not only gives us new answers, it reframes the questions from an eternal perspective. If we want to lead people to a new perspective, we have to incorporate the study of the Bible into our lives. As the ancient church father Clement of Alexandria wrote, Faith will lead you, experience will teach you, but Scripture will train you. There is so much more to be said on this topic, and we need to study it deeply. Because at some point in your life, you or someone you love is going to find yourself in a situation that is just bigger than you are a point where you need wisdom. Maybe it comes at a time of temptation in your business, when you have to make a choice between what is profitable and what is right. Maybe it comes in a relationship when you're just not sure how far is too far. Maybe it comes at a time when you are trying to decide whether you should tell the truth or just keep your mouth shut. Maybe it happens when you or someone you love is dying and you just need some answers. It's going to be a situation in which you feel unqualified and, frankly, overwhelmed by the decisions and the choices that you're going to have to make. And the most important question you are going to have to ask yourself at that point is, am I going to do this all by myself, or am I going to get help? And this isn't even a religious question. It's an ego question. Every decision we make, we either make on our own or with help. Who is going to help you make your decisions? Someone who knows all the answers or someone who's just guessing like you? At that point, it's important to remember that God is not just the most important fact in the universe. He is the Father who loves you. He is the Savior who gave His life for you. And He is the Spirit who waits beside you to invite Him to help. Beloved, God is for you. He may not be for everything that you're doing, but God is for you. John Calvin, the great 16th century reformer, knew this. And so he wrote, All the wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two things, knowledge of God and of ourselves. We can either bet everything we have, our lives, our families, our eternity, on our limited knowledge, 
or we can put everything we have. We can put our lives under the leadership of the loving God whose knowledge, experience, love, and wisdom is unlimited, who knows us and who knows the world better than anyone else, and yet loves you more than you know. Trust in his love. Trust in his word. Trust in his wisdom. And he will give us the serenity to endure the things that we cannot change and the courage to change the things that we can change. Until next time, thank you for being with us again for this No Fear podcast. Please join us for this and our other daily podcasts throughout this COVID-19 crisis at fpcsanantonio.org. I'm Bob Fuller of First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio, Texas. Be not afraid. God is real. Jesus is alive and the Holy Spirit is with us. God loves you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He has a position for you on his team and a place for you at his table.